0: Hey, I'm Tommy Chong, welcome to High on
1: Homegrown. Yes, yes, everybody, and welcome to High on Homegrown, the cannabis podcast from percysgrowroom.com. In this week's interview we speak to a legend in the cannabis community and this is the original soil guru he has so much knowledge that he's shared with the cannabis community over many many years and this is clackamas coot it's an absolute pleasure to get a legend like this on the show we're very lucky to interview all the people that we do interview but sometimes we managed to get in contact with one of these legends in the cannabis community and get them on the show. And we have an awesome conversation with them. And this is one of those interviews. There is loads of information put across in this episode. So if you are interested in living soil and things like that, then it's definitely time to grab yourself a pen and paper or something you can take notes with. Because Clackmus Coot has loads of information that he shares in this show. It was an absolute pleasure to speak to him. And without further ado, of course, Rory South something fat gets super high and enjoy this interview with Clackamas Coot. And I'll speak to you at the end of this. See you in a bit. Welcome to High on Homecrow and it's, it's a massive pleasure to finally speak to you, Coot. Can, uh, should we call you Coot? Jim, what would you prefer?
2: Well, it's been where I usually get called. So, either one.
0: <laughs> Bingo, I like it.
2: Nice. Well, we'll probably just stick
1: with Coot. That's <laughs> it's fine. Easier, That's easier fine. to remember. But yeah, massive right. pleasure to have you on the show, man. Really appreciate you taking some time out and to come and chat to us for a bit. So, thank you
2: for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for the invite. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, well, we'll quickly introduce ourselves so you know who you're talking to. We have to hide behind these avatars because, unfortunately, we're in places where growing cannabis is still illegal. But uh, I am Mackie. I am from the UK. And we have Monkey. Monkey, you want to say hi?
0: Hey, Monkey down here in the southeast U.S. along the Gulf of Mexico, also Prohibition land. But good to meet you finally, man.
2: Nice to meet you, both of you. Uh, Yeah, I'd rather... Living in the Southeast United States and trying to grow is has to be pretty challenging, given the political winds in that area. It is Mostly, it's
0: a little, little bit challenging, but as long as you, I mean, uh, fiercely adhere to the three rules, no tell, no smell, no sell, you can, yeah, you yeah. can get away with it. But I mean, yeah, you got to be pretty much capsule unto
2: yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you in the USA, Coot? I'm in uh, the Pacific Northwest, uh, Oregon. I'm just okay. a few miles south of uh, Portland, nice. and about uh, oh maybe 85 miles from the ocean, Pacific Ocean. So Cool.
1: Out of all of the states, I think Oregon is my favorite. I've never been to the states, but from what I see on the TV, Oregon just looks awesome, man. That seems like my kind of place.
2: Well, it's interesting is that <clears> – <throat> 52 years ago, the voters of Oregon, it didn't pass, but at least they voted on legalizing cannabis. None of this uh, silly, we're going to decriminalize it. Well, -hmm. it didn't pass. But then two years later, the state legislature passed a law that removed it from even being a misdemeanor for an ounce or less, 28 grams or less. So you could have uh, an ounce on you. And if you were whatever, it was a $100 fine maximum. Wow. Usually it was around, usually around 50 bucks was the norm. That was, you know.
1: 50 years ago then that was when they removed the. uh, Right. So essentially decriminalizing personal possession.
2: Right. So um, there's always, I don't know about always, but for half a decade been a fairly uh, relaxed attitude. Unless, listen, if it's 2 in the morning and you're out shooting a gun in the air and the police have to interrupt their shift to come take care of a drunk and they Mm -hmm. find some plants, you're probably going to have a problem. Mm -hmm. But is anybody looking for it? No. Nice. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially if, you know, there's – this is even before we got medical. We weren't the first medical state, but we were early. We Mm -hmm. uh, passed the law in 98, so 25 years ago and um yeah you could have six six plants in flower and 18 plants in veg clones didn't count because they didn't have roots so wow. that was counted as plant material but here is a goofy part well goofy my you know view you could have 18 excuse me uh 24 ounces uh but get this on your person. So you could be riding around in your car. If you had a uh, medical card, let's say you had 24 ounces in a bag next to you in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. It was completely legal. Uh-huh. All you had to do was show your card, right? So, right. needless to say, we had a lot of sick people in Oregon for several years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes
2: you're riding imagine. around with weed in the car, you know? <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> Just because you can even here, have man. it on the
2: bus. <laughs> you could be on public transportation, say you had a, a knapsack, you know, a, a computer bag, whatever. Uh, and you had your stash in there, you were completely legal if you had a medical card. So.
1: Mm-hmm. So I suppose that's what got you, because you obviously feel safer in Oregon, growing your own cannabis under them sort of circumstances. So I suppose this is one of the reasons why you got started in growing cannabis so, so early compared to the majority of people.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, now when they passed the uh, law that allowed for uh, uh, recreational uh, dispensaries and that whole uh, deal, corporate weed, I would call a factory weed, mm. um, the more progressive or left of center politicians added to the law that every household, not person, but household, could grow four plants, no card, mm-hmm. no nothing, just the one cavity of the law that I thought was pretty silly. You got to keep it out of public view. Really? Right, I, yeah. I got to keep it away from teenagers? Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, yeah, this is where you got to have
1: these massive fences and all that kind of stuff. Right, it?
2: exactly. Mm-hmm. But at least you're legal. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, or is, they didn't say anything about how. Big or small they could be. So I go for growing in pots that we do conversion, conversion uh, four times eight, say 3,500 liter pots. Um, wow. So that way you take them up to about six, seven meters high. Mm-hmm. And you're going to pull a harvest anywhere from 10 and a half to 12 pounds. Yeah.
0: And you can have four of
2: those. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it.
0: I like the way you do math. Yeah. Wow. You know, so this is where you started to
1: learn how to make your own soil then. isn't <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. You had them massive pots to fill.
2: Damn. And what's the beauty of that is because it's outdoors, so you're going to get a lot of natural uh, microbiology. Mm. Some of these pots have been used five, six, in one case, seven years. Um, I use mycelium blocks from a uh, mushroom the spent blocks after they harvest the mushrooms get those blocks and bust them up and spread the mycelium on top with a layer of uh, leaves dried uh, composted leaves and then some uh, straw and just let it go over winter and in the spring you can put your hand right down into it it's that loose, all the roots have been deconstructed um, and released all the elements are released back into the soil and you're ready to stick another plant in it nice. usually we try to go can i show a picture i was gonna of course like- yeah I'll, I'll give you
1: the ability to share give me a second
2: all right let me open the picture on my end this will give you an idea of what i they kind of there we go you okay. should share now. all right just a second and this is one of my uh, breedings. Nice. Whoa. Now, what, what strain am I looking at? Can you
0: tell me that? Uh,
2: this is the uh, the one, that's what it's called, the one. Okay. Crossed <laughs> with a three-way uh, sativa. It had Oaxaca, from Oaxaca, Mexico, a Thai, and one from what is now called Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. The time that the seeds were gathered, it was still Ceylon. But... Um, yeah look at that that's uh, no fertilizers just uh compost worm castings um barley like you used wow. to make beer barley mm-hmm. malt um the usual stuff that's associated with my uh, growing techniques nice very nice
1: mm-hmm. how much did you yield off that can you remember
2: oh it's still going oh this is <laughs> so this is what you're growing right now cool yeah this was taken three weeks ago so the oh. picture it's going to be much bigger now then oh my gosh
1: yeah for sure
2: now let me show you one this is uh okay here's another one oh that's a beauty well, look at that that's a nice <laughs> little beautiful little beautiful big cannabis
0: bush
1: you know, it's like it's stopping sun from getting into your house at this point, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's almost blocking out the house. That's true.
2: So here's a pollen patch to harvest pollen for breeding. These uh, this is two males. Right. Uh, look, at the, look at the uh development on the geez. male flowers.
1: Wow, you must get loads of pollen off that. Wow. Yeah.
2: Hope you don't oh, have massive. any neighbors that don't
0: want pollen. My goodness.
2: They don't want me, but, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I, I have, I learned a long time ago, if you're going to do this, you got to be a good neighbor, a friend. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the last thing you need is a, oh, here's a sativa. This is a, a tie crossed with one from India land races. Uh, so for people that tell me that, well, I don't like sativas because you don't get any yield, mm. um, there you go.
0: That looks pretty nice, man. It look it has a very much of a tie characteristic looking thing to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Long colors on that. Look at the, look at yep. the
0: length of them. That's crazy.
2: And then here's last summer. Oh, here's this was uh this earlier this year.
1: Mm-mm.
3: Um,
2: look at that.
1: Luscious. <laughs> yeah, man. It's a shame you okay, can't yeah.
2: smell these things. It's such a shame. Yeah. Could it so dogs well, see dogs? Go. We like dogs. Oh, I got a bulldog. English bulldog crossed with American Bulldog. Knucklehead, nice. we call it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Knucklehead. <laughs> so that's my one that I've had for 40 years. I bred it. Uh it hatched 1984, January, and it's been a mother clone thing for 40 years this January. Damn, wow. the plant's
1: older than I am. What Look how healthy
2: that thing is. My goodness. Beautiful plant. And then this is the other one I did. It's it's that other one's. That was the mother, and this was crossed with a uh, a Highland tie. And uh-huh. look at that. These still had about six weeks, seven weeks left when these pictures were taken. <laughs> Mm-mm. So you must hire trimmers when it comes to harvest time, then? I don't do anything. I'm retired. I don't do anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you, you just spend a lot of your time just trimming all of these yourself, do you? Uh, no,
2: I hire people. Oh, right, you yeah. do hire people. Cool. There you go. Wow. Those are the finished flowers. I'm sure I got a whiff of that. Then I mean, you know, <laughs> almost. I feel like I could almost
0: smell it. Yeah.
2: And here's uh, this was the yield off of one plant.
0: What? Yeah.
2: A small room. Is that what it is? It's
1: a small room, right? <laughs> you can right. fill a small bedroom with that. Yes,
2: easily. Wow. And he, those bags are for hash. Oh, okay.
0: That's your trim. You're on uh, yeah, right. It's okay. Cool. Got to be wow. one heck of a good yield and all of that. Nice, nice stuff. Now that I wish I could smell.
1: So you've been growing for a long time then, Coot. at least 40 years. 50. When did you first, where, when did you first start growing? Uh, g- uh, 1974. So you obviously are uh, still growing now. Have you, have you taken any time off all over the last 50 years or just been constantly growing and pushing out new genetics?
2: Uh, it's just my, what do you call it? Um, I don't drink, so, you know, this is a, mm-hmm. my uh, recreation. Oh, here's an outdoor this year. That's a Thai plant.
0: Yeah.
1: Damn.
2: And corn. Right. Yeah, I corn see the fine, corn. Right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> is that what that is? I didn't know what that was. Yeah, the yeah. corn is as high as the elephant's eye. Yeah.
2: Cool, man. So, how's the color on that? I mean,
1: yeah, it's lovely, man. It's just so... It's just, no, it just looks uh, like a really happy plant, you know? Yeah. Very much
2: happy. No, uh, no uh, meat factory products like bone meal or blood meal or... Um, mm-hmm. This was a seed run for seeds uh, across from the, a Thai and one from Kerala, India. So I just uh, did a open pollination... Wow. So can do you sell your seeds? Or
1: like online, can people go to a place where they can buy specifically Clackamas Coot seeds? Or do they have to go to a seed bank that sells them? Or no, do you sell I, them yourself?
2: I haven't sold a seed since uh, 1979, I guess. Oh, yeah. wow. I give, I give them away. <laughs> oh, that's um, awesome, man. There's a, that's a harvest off of uh, two plants in my indoor little 4 by 4 tent.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice what strain is it can you remember
2: mine the, the, the TO you know one of yours? I, yeah nice and I got one more I want to show you so just uh this is the room when it was in uh what date is this this is August 23rd wow and these would have been mm, five weeks these are five weeks. The ones with the big colas, Mm. I'll show you that one I took today for this show. But So this was the 23rd of August, okay? Yeah. And the other ones on the right, that's another strain. So the the ones with the big, tall colas. All right. And then yesterday, we're looking at...
1: So many pictures. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Okay, here you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the senescence is kicking in. It's, man, that must smell so delicious.
2: Yes. Old friend. Mm -hmm. Mm You're growing this this
1: thing for 40 years. Wow. So So you're used to growing that
2: specific strain as well. You you know what to expect as you're growing it. Exactly. And that's why Mm -hmm. it's good. I can test things and give people legitimate feedback. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now well, I changed my lights and I got a new new program and on on and on and on. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: awesome, man. So 50 years of growing, that's that's yeah. a long time, man. That you must have seen cannabis change quite a lot in in that 50 years. Cause when we look at um you know, like old school strains from back in the seventies, it doesn't look much like the cannabis we have now. It looks more like land race cannabis than the cannabis we have now.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. It's been, um, well, it's like a lot of things is, uh, in fashion and food, sometimes it's style or substance. Mm. Um, the the term I hear a lot around the industry is bag appeal, yeah, yeah, and uh, how the correlation ever became between quality and um, polish as far as the look, yeah. I, I don't know how that became ingrained in the in the, this uh, deal, but it is. <laughs> it is what it is, you know
1: yeah so you're well known for uh, your soil recipe the the coot mm-hmm. recipe we hear a lot of people talk about the coot recipe and obviously referring to your recipe was there any kind of background you had in in botany or building soil or anything like that before you started growing cannabis or did you just start growing cannabis and then learn how to build soil and create your right. own version of soil as you went along
2: what's the story right. i then? didn't I didn't really start doing this until probably the late 90s, Hmm. full full, hardcore. I had a nursery uh, for several years growing uh, Japanese lace maples for full size for landscape architects, uh, for resorts and casinos, that kind of thing. So
3: Hmm.
2: the advantage there is that they're on your property for four or five years, so you're not trying to do the shuffle like the kind of plants that you find at uh, retail, like a, a nursery where you go in the spring and you buy some plants and bring them home and plant them with well, the mm-hmm. people that grow plants to supply that market. I mean, you've got to sell 250 to 400,000 plants a season wow. to mm-hmm. have anything close to a profit. I mean, because mm-hmm. think of the amount of uh, labor yeah. uh is trying to get find labor now is difficult in all sectors, not just uh backbreaking work like horticulture mm-hmm. so uh, anyway so that experience of how to buy soil you don't buy it in a bag you know you want to get it from a commercial soil mixer this where I live in Oregon, this, uh, state of only oh, about three and a quarter million people. We're one of the larger producers of plants. Uh, we do almost $2 billion a year in uh, nursery stock as, as the term is used. Right. So you, you grow plants, you supply them to the Walmarts and the home depots and your local garden center. Um, and, uh, they don't want to pay a lot of money because mm-hmm. they, honestly, if it were legal, they would give you the plants. They want you to buy the fertilizer,
3: mm-hmm. right. And right? The
2: pesticide, the fungicide, the herbicide. Mm-hmm. Here's your plants. You know, here's the soil. You can, you'll have the soil too. You know, <laughs> so uh, yeah, give me give me uh, give me the serious money on these pesticides. I saw yeah, something moving sense. on my plant. Let me attack it. You know, that kind of oh, thing. Oh, God, so, yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean though. Mm. Yeah.
1: So then you decided to move over to cannabis because, it, what, was it more lucrative? Did you just enjoy that more?
2: Well, I certainly enjoyed it more. It wasn't more lucrative. Um, mm-hmm. I'm one of those uh, individuals that figured out real early that there were some people making money, but it wasn't the growers mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. the brokers. Was, you, you want to make money in any business. You don't want to do it. You don't want to do it on either end. You want to be in the middle.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right.
2: Yeah, the I get it from man. Joe for $10 and I sell it to Mike for 15. Mm-hmm. That's where you make money.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But you know, it is isn't agriculture. Hey, it was a good year this year. Hey, it didn't happen. You know, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it sounds really cool. You know, you listen to some of these sales people. I'm sure you've met a few. Mm-hmm. And all, all you got to do is just buy this product. Just use it. <laughs> I mean, it, it'll make your plants big and, and you know. Well, we'll say that miracle word. You yeah. could use that
0: miracle word. I know exactly what you're talking about and what they're trying to sell you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah Super chelated
0: salts. Yep.
2: Yeah, key. Oh, yeah, it's got to be micronized. Yep, it's got to be chelated. Yep, uh, it's got to be. What's the other one? Oh, bioavailable. Okay, yeah, you. Get that word in it. <laughs> yep, <laughs> the buzzwords. You got them. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, so it was like in the mid '90s then when you decided to, uh, yeah. to create your own soil. Well, what was the first steps you took to build your own soil? Like, uh,
2: well, I went. Uh, there's a university in New York. Cornell, they date back to the mid-19th century. They were one of the first uh, horticulture schools, uh, not agriculture, but horticulture schools in probably North America, maybe even the Western world. I I, I don't know that for a fact, but I do know that they were the first one on this Western hemisphere. And um, I followed... Many of the standards that are in place today in America as terms of, uh, I'll give you an example. When you buy a number one pot that is not one gallon,
0: Correct.
2: that is a shovel full of dirt as determined by a seminar held in 1938. <laughs> and at that seminar, that's why when you get a, three, a number three pot, you put three gallons in it, you go, oh, this doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. That's the reason. right? So they came up with a base soil mix that became known as the Cornell mix. Well, things changed for one thing. The uh, invention of perlite was a big player. Mm. Also, the massive harvesting of peat moss, that was new. Because if you're going to grow a lot of plants and you're going to ship them, you don't want to be digging the soil up from your operation. So being able to buy a cheap uh inexpensive substrate was ideal, and that's what peat that, moss that's a function it served the horticulture sector
3: right
2: so anyway the, this uh cornell mix i looked at it and i just kind of analyzed the basics and tweaked and uh modernized it by adding things like uh basalt rock dust or what you call an england stone meal um, uh, alfalfa meal and kelp meal from the North Atlantic. In fact, the first big company was based in London. Uh, you would know it as Maxi Crop, and they were the first company to uh, take seaweed and turn it into an extract. So you've probably seen Liquid Maxi Crop mm-hmm. all, all over the uh, Southeast United States in nursery stores, and I'm certainly in England. The operations in Norway, but the uh, the founder was a a veteran from World War II, and he was a CPA. He earned a CPA after he came home from the uh, military, and he invested in his company and became the first uh, worldwide distributor of uh, seaweed extract.
0: Hmm. Now, is that the same as Super Thrive? I know that was an early one too.
2: Uh, no, that's uh, a. <clears throat> That gentleman, uh, he was quite a character. Yeah. Uh, it was all secret. Oh. Well, the problem was there was no there there. And so he got banned. Okay, so think about this. The man was in business for almost 70 years and never won an award except one from the Horticulture Advertising Council.
0: Ah, oh, right. okay.
2: Okay. Okay, does that tell you anything? Yeah, because yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, his his products have got award
2: winning all over the front
0: of it. And if right. anything he's award winning for is advertising, <laughs> he's advertising nothing.
2: Yes. <laughs> and uh, basically it was some uh, B1 uh, and uh, some alfalfa extract. Mm-hmm. You know, just stuff you could put together for pennies yeah, and not worry about burning your plants. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I fo- have focused on for the last several years is deconstructing products, and anyway, here's how you make it yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that about Super
0: Thrive. Now I do, though. <laughs> Thank you for that.
2: I've heard some yeah, people talking your, about
0: it. They you save your money. It's exactly. You might as well buy water.
2: Yes. Which is interesting because if you go to a, it has nothing to do with cannabis. Just go to any place it sells uh garden products for the retail the homeowner yeah and start looking at the label in the United States our coin operated Congress changed the laws a few years ago so they didn't have to use the word water now um, they get to use the word inert ingredients <laughs> so when you're when your inert ingredient is ninety nine point four percent water mm-hmm. Um, you yeah, could probably. ship that whole in a vial the size of uh, eye drop medicine. Mm-hmm. Seriously, mm-hmm. here you go. Here's here's your five gallons worth. Right, just put a, one you drop in every
0: gallon, and you're good to go.
2: There, there you go. Right. So, um, that's it was, kind of became a hobby. <laughs> I used to take pictures of labels. With a camera, you know, at, at my phone, whatever. And then I post them online and break it down. And okay, here's what it costs to buy these ingredients. So basically, there's 90 cents worth of material in this $80 a gallon, uh, mm-hmm. wonder, uh, wonder fertilizer. So
0: yeah,
1: yeah, it's crazy how it works because you're mainly paying for like the shipping costs. I remember looking into this when I was growing with advanced nutrients and realized that the majority of the ingredients in there is just available in another nutrient brand at a quarter of the price it's crazy yeah, how the price it, uh, differs for the same thing just because of labeling right. and advertisement mm.
2: make uh, the farm store your friend because what they feed animals livestock especially horses people that have money to treat their horses like dogs you know pets And it's the finest alfalfa. It's the finest kelp meal. You know, it's the finest everything, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's also the finest fertilizer we can use.
0: True. I mean, I've used cottonseed meal from the feed store many times. Till it into the ground, it's warmed up and stuff. And a lot cheaper than if I go to the garden center. I can buy a fifty-pound sack of that from a feed store for less than twenty dollars. So
2: darn good price. Okay, here's a perfect in that line of uh purchasing that you're doing. Yes. There's a national brand called Down to Earth. Mm-hmm. And they're based right here in Morgan. They're wonderful people and all that. They have several sizes, but their retail products are all in six pound boxes. Okay. Every one of them. Well, they don't pack, nobody packs anything. It's all outsourced. With the uh Pollution laws to set up a, a fertilizer mixing factory. You know, you, you don't you're not gonna do them in Oregon, mm-hmm. that's for sure. So they sell a product that is comes from, is made from oyster shell, oyster shell flour. Okay. And it comes from this one, there's only one place that harvests this material. it's, it's not the oysters like you might have for dinner. These are oysters that lived several tens of hundreds, thousands of years ago. And they all have accumulated at the bottom of San Francisco Bay. And they've been hauling out these oysters shells for the last hundred years. They feed them to poultry to strengthen the, it's calcium carbonate. So when they give it to chickens, it strengthens their eggshells, which are calcium carbonate. And the advantage there is that you have less breakage in transit. Uh, mm. on, on your uh, on your product there,
1: yeah, it makes sense. Anyway,
2: so this lime, this uh, oyster shell powder is actually less than limestone. So limestone at this time was like ten dollars, and the oyster shell powder was eight fifty for fifty pounds. Mm. Fair enough. However, down to earths product. Out of the same ocean, out of the same factory, eleven dollars for six pounds.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so one's twenty cents a pound, and the other one's close to what a dollar ninety a pound? I don't know. I can't mm-hmm. do the arithmetic. Yeah, you know. and that's
0: that's probably down to that packaging that they're putting it through. You know
2: exactly. There's more money in the packaging, and the printing, and the shipping of the packaging to the the packer. Because they're not going to take care of it. You got to supply for whatever state you want to distribute in. You got to make sure that the label complies to that state's laws. As far as uh, some states are more stringent than others,
1: right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just crazy to see how money is made that way. Not just in this industry as well; it's across the many other industries. And you just buy something really cheap and then put it in a new box and charge 10 times as much as what you bought it for. It's crazy shit, man. That seems to be something that you've worked on for a long time then, Cooties, just trying to uh, make things cheaper for the growers at home rather than just going out to buy ridiculously expensive things. You know, source the ingredients yourself because it's gonna end up much cheaper in the long run.
2: Well, I'll give you an example. If I told you that I had a, a product that contained 350 enzymes that contained well over 500. Uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, let me back up. Yeah, 350 enzymes, including enzymes that facilitate the absorption of phosphorus, okay. of nitrogen, of magnesium, boron. Okay, what else would it do? Oh, it would uh, reduce your flower time by as much as 15
3: to 20% without
2: a loss of yield or uh, impact, uh, strength. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, and let's see what else. Oh, it would help retain uh, lessen your water because it would hold the moisture in the soil, uh, preventing it from evaporating at the rate had you not used this. And if I told you that I could sell that to you for 80 cents a pound, the and night. you tested it and it worked mm-hmm. and you were thrilled, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, take my money. Uh, how much do you need? Mm.
2: No? Sounds yeah.
0: like, you, is that worm castings we're talking about here? Because it almost sounds like everything you're talking about there is a lot of that is in worm casting, isn't it?
2: Malted barley. Malted barley. I knew we were getting somewhere close. Yep. Man. Same thing they make scotch out of, same thing every beer and ale, since the human race started doing it back in the pyramids, you know, making beer. It's uh, At its very core, beer is simply water, hops, and malted barley. And all malted means is that you allowed it to germinate. Mm -hmm. And in that process of germinating, you activate these enzymes that were encoded by the mother plant, to allow that seedling a chance to thrive and survive and and reproduce. Mm -hmm. As long as you don't get a cannabis gardener involved. (laughs) Um, Of course. Yeah, but, uh, and these enzymes, cofactors, whatever you want to call them, allow the plant function in in several areas, chelation, uptake, exudes that trigger specific microbial responses in the soil to make specific uh, elements available, ions, Um, all that with malted barley. And I'm sure that I can't, I don't live in England, but I know in the United States, any city of any size has got a homebrew store. Mm Mm-hmm that's Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. you know the way it is and uh yeah you just uh, buy well i like buying it by the bell because i get 25 kilograms which is uh 55 pounds i don't know why barley's on the international is always sold that way other commodities are sold in smaller but for malted barley it's uh 25 kilo slash 50 pound units. And I can get those right now for 75 bucks. Price Mm -hmm. has gone up a little bit, but still. Yeah. Everything has.
1: So how often would this, with multi body, you're saying that you incorporate this into your cannabis grow, right? Mm -hmm. How do you incorporate multi body into a cannabis grow?
2: When I mix the soil, I add, uh... let's see. Per cubic foot I add uh two cups of malted barley ground up. Okay. Then, then you say
1: malted barley is germinated barley. And you, you, oh, you I just didn't soak finish. it in water.
2: Sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't finish. I apologize. No, my bad so, so the uh seeds are germinated. This is done under you can't even begin to imagine how precise malting is. Even the biggest beer companies in the world that have operations on five continents will say they don't malt their own grain because one thing about making beer, it might be crap beer. It might be horrible beer, but goddamn it, your customers want that beer to taste exactly the same when they go on holiday. Mm-hmm. They don't want a new version of this crap beer. They want the crap they had at home, right? (laughs) That's right. Consistency, man. Consistency is important. Exactly. So, at any event, um, the the, uh, barley is germinated, and then when it's germinated, it's put into ovens at 115 degrees Fahrenheit, which is really low. Um, I don't have a a thing in front of me, but uh, at that point, That temperature stops the germination, but it leaves the enzymes intact. And now it's ready. It can be stored for up to five years. Wow. Unless you grind it. Then you've got about seven to nine months. That's for making beer, not for what we're, our Mm -hmm. application. So back to the barley. So I added at the very beginning so that uh, during veg i'm getting the benefit you're getting uh increased uh growth rates but more importantly you're getting heavy duty branching and plants with heavier branching are going to produce heavier buds and heavier flower sets um growing plants these strains that take bamboo sticks like everywhere to hold it up i don't i don't get it but anyway mm mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. So then I start, when I hit flower stage, I start adding barley every week. Right. Grind it, top dress it. I have a grinder, a mill, a grain mill. So I grind it almost like baby powder. And I sprinkle Mm -hmm. that on top. Then when I water, I can get it pushed down into the root zone. Wow.
1: That's so cool, man. I've never considered using barley in the grow before, but if you if, if can do all those things and it has all of those micronutrients in it and stuff, then you'd be a fool not to really, it sounds like, like
2: a magic ingredient. <laughs> I'll make you, I'll make you a promise. That within 24 hours of applying it, you'll be looking to buy a, a biggest sack you can get your hands on. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Can it be used in uh say cocoa grow, or does it strictly have to be soil?
2: Unfortunately, okay, here, yeah, yes, to answer your question directly, yes, it, uh is a whole different, uh, a whole different science with regard to uh elements and how they're, let me ask you a question. I want to make sure I have this right. So a, a person that's growing in core out of necessity will have to have some kind of a new program is that correct
3: mm-hmm. yes
2: okay whereas in a living soil i could count on half one hand the number of outside elements that i use that i can't do myself
3: yeah
2: and for but you know what you could do um, you can take barley, and you don't have to grind, you don't have to go out and buy a mill, just put it in a sack and hit it with a hammer, you know, bust it up, mm-hmm. right. and put that in some water and let it uh, don't let it go too long. You don't want to get a bunch of alcohol, but maybe like, say, 24 hours and then oh. strain it and maybe even dilute it by 50 percent and uh, spray that on your uh, as a foliar. Okay. During the uh, veg, you'd get a lot of benefit out of it. Mm-hmm. A lot.
0: Sounds like something I might have to try. I've tried yes, everything sure. else. Well,
1: why not? Yeah, man, it sounds interesting. Uh, we just had Chilbert in the chat here say uh Coots not a fan of cocoa, sources and production reasons, I understand, child labor right. slash poor practices, etc. Is that true there, Koot? You're not a fan of cocoa?
2: Well, for a couple of reasons, but uh, one is that it's associated with the palm oil right um, there's a lot of try see the deal with core is that it comes from so many sources hmm. so many locations around the world and some of them well, it's not very safe for children to be working at the age of eight, nine, and ten mm-hmm. harvesting core Absolutely. that's my objection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other one Mm -hmm. is that it's diametrically opposite of what soil is. And here's how in core, my understanding, if I'm wrong, please correct me, but you're looking for a material that has the lowest EC possible. So you don't have nutrient buildup, which would cause problems. Am I correct on that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. 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 In soil, it's exactly the opposite. We don't call it EC. We refer to it as CEC, cation exchange capacity. And that's the ability of that material to hold ions in place, like calcium, magnesium, phosphorus, and on and on and on, so that when the plant triggers through its root exudes, calling up the uh, nutrients, specific nutrients, they use hydrogen, hydrogen, as a form of payment as an exchange rate and that's the cation exchange capacity and the capacity is the ability of that material to hold on to those ions and not be flushed away whereas in cocoa but here's your numbers sphagnum peat moss the good stuff out of canada comes rolls in at about 70 percent cec out of 100. peat moss rolls in at about 55 45. The best core is comes in at thirty, less than half wow. the ability to hold on to ions that you have uh, with a in a soil.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, that's a it's an important factor. That is, yeah, you, right. you'll see sometimes as well how people would, uh, you know, there's some recipes online because there's been lots of restrictions on peat moss nowadays to making soils without peat moss in and using substitutes and people say you can use cocoa as a substitute for the peat moss but when there's a a, such a difference in how efficient is you know the uh, cation exchange rate then that's a big difference you know it's it's twice as effective to use the
2: peat moss i can i can do it right now i can give you a soil mix that doesn't involve core or um, uh, peat moss Mm mm-hmm What would that be? What would you suggest? Uh, You you want to take good quality compost Mm -hmm. that's been well uh, aged, cured, I guess is the more accurate word, at least the word they use here. Um, And you would want to mix that with, what do you like to use for aeration? Like uh, perlite or?
1: Uh, Well, I'm growing in coca right now, so I don't use anything for. um... Oh,
0: I would use either
2: perlite, vermiculite, or one of those two, probably. Okay. Or maybe sand. Rice holes? Rice holes, is I've used that for years. Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. yes, yes, yes. Because it's a good carbon source. And it also gives you an idea how biologically active your soil is. Because when you start between grows, remember, you're not going to throw this away. Mm. Right. This is not uh, once in the dump at all. But you can want to check your soil after you harvest uh, your plant. And if you start seeing that the rice hulls are partially deconstructed, you know that it's time to add some aeration material because it's served its purpose. In other words, that's a good thing. You got a lot of biology in your soil. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you're using agricultural waste products. So that's a plus meaning that you should get it really cheap because it's often used as uh bedding for like goats and uh, you know, small, small livestock. So f- feed stores usually have a uh, really good, plus in the Southeast, one of the largest rice producers in. Oh is yeah. in Arkansas, Riceland. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to get their PBH, which is uh, parboiled hulls, and they do that so you don't have any sprouts.
3: Because right.
2: sometimes when uh, some will get through the system.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I visited their operation in Arkansas a few years ago. A lot of rice hulls used in the commercial nursery sector. Yeah, they used to
0: give that stuff away back in the day, and
2: exactly. now, they char- now
0: they charge a little bit for it because it got yeah. popular.
2: Yes, well, you can thank people like me for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so.
0: Nothing wrong with using it. I guarantee you. You know, I've no. than burning it or throwing it or doing something else with it.
2: Another thing you, I would say, maybe instead of sand, because of its uh, small size, you could right. think of pea gra- Sometimes it depends where you're at in the states, but sometimes sold as pea gravel. Yes, I know what it is. Okay, so there you got some structure. What you're looking for are air and water. Paths into the soil, into the uh, root zone. Right. So think uh like I buy pumice, which is like quarter inch, just to give you a that's my preferred uh size. Mm-hmm. But also there's a mm-hmm. for you, uh Monkey, in the United States, believe it or not, I'm not joking, there's an organization called uh Dumrol Perlite Institute. Really? Yes. <laughs>
0: they specialize in, I guess, perlite.
2: Well, they represent the industry because very little perlite that's manufactured goes into potting soils. There's all kinds of uh, insulation. I, I, I'd i be here all day going through all the things. All mm-hmm. perlite is, is a uh, rock that's been treated like popcorn. It's heated up and explodes. Right. So you can oh, wow. see all the uh, things that so it's, a, it's a ideal. It's also available for you. You could go to uh, any of the stores that are in your area, Walmart, uh, Ace Hardware, mm-hmm. and you go to their website, and you buy the material, and then you have it shipped to whatever store is convenient for you. And you don't pay anything for shipping and handling. It's right. called ship to store. And mm-hmm. every oper- a store has this. Anyway, you can buy perlite four cubic feet. That's a lot um, for less than 20 bucks. Yeah. Um.
0: I bought it that way before through uh, various garden centers and whatnot. Depends upon the garden center I use. There are some of them that the, that have commercial customers and they'll have, have the larger sizes and stuff like that. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. But no, I used to, when I first started making my own soil, I was actually using that one third, one third, one third mix at the base of Coot's mix. Never knew about coot mix, but I used sand back in the day because well, it was it was available, it was cheap, sure. it was here, it was available, and right. actually it, it worked just fine for regular flowers and vegetables. It works really good, um. You know, so. I've, I've advanced since then and, and and changed a few things. Now, actually, I do grow cannabis and cocoa and I'm being hounded by many, many people, probably yourself as well, to give soil a shot.
2: I, I, I can promise you. I mean, I'll give you my uh, email. Okay. And I'll answer any question you have along the way. I've done this for hundreds, if not thousands of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not in this for money i don't i've never made a single dime off the coots mix that and i my word honor on that one um i find it ironic that i found a place in australia that has the coots mix for sale wow cheeky i found a a (laughs) store in uh, new zealand make Uh the coots mix
0: well it's weird because I went into our local garden center and at it, as you know, this is Prohibition land down here. And I basically looked, asked the guy in the garden center, I said, I want to make some soil. I'm going to make some coots mix. And he had no question. He knew exactly what I was talking about. He just started pulling out bags immediately. It's like, yeah, coots mix. It's kind of like an industry standard to a lot of people.
2: One person told me that in the Midwest, where he resides, Chicago area, he said, you know, nobody knows who you are. They just know about the soil mix i said exactly. that's great i said that's great man <laughs> <laughs> thing, you know so yeah i thought that was a uh, interesting but and also there's a place i forgot another one too in south africa what is it with these former uh colonies
1: i mean <laughs> well, well to be fair Koo, everywhere is pretty much a former colony you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: former former
3: you know?
1: <laughs> yeah good, yeah, good in us, right yeah exactly that's right that's yeah. right so it, it must be crazy for you, though, to see there's something that you came up with be so popular and, you know, it's progressed around the world. It's been so many different places. And you should hear what my
2: wife says.
1: Uh, yeah, she must be angry. You should have just if you, if you could just get one dollar
0: per bag, you know, <laughs> No, it's more like
2: it's more along these lines. So people listen to you.
0: oh yeah my wife has said that to me a few times too
2: yeah (laughs) but we've been together 45 years so uh wow it's been a long ride long friendship for sure Mm
1: -hmm. so when when did you start getting the mix out to everybody because am i right in understanding that you were members of a few of the old school forums back in the day where you started to teach people how to make their own soil and things. like
2: Right. That. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was in 2009. Yeah. 2009, I guess it was almost 15 years ago.
1: Well, don't and say so- that. It was, like, <laughs> it was only a couple of years ago. 2009 was It's only a couple of years ago.
2: And it, the <laughs> fellow was a, uh, a uh, Englishman there, uh, I know this wasn't on his birth certificate, but he went by the name uh, Gypsy Nirvana, and he had a operation online called IC Mag. It's supposedly International Canographic Mag Magazine. Right. It never published a single edition. Trust me. But what (laughs) it was, he had two seed operations: the Seed Boutique, where uh, breeders would supply the seeds to uh this operation and then people would buy them and he would get his cut and the grower and producer would get theirs okay and then he had another one called uh, the seed bay which worked exactly like ebay and that might be people that maybe made a special cross they're not really breeders but you know the drill uh, also oh i found this pack of c99 in my dresser you know and it's not open and so people would bid on it right
1: yeah i'd bid on that
2: yeah so you can imagine the amount of traffic that it got and they had an organic soil section and just in that organic soil section they averaged 22 to 2400 posts a day and um, i got involved and i was one of the organic terrorist as we were called <laughs> and um yes yeah, so i joined another one uh, grass city mm-hmm. a really good friend of mine was the supreme allied commander moderator over there who asked me about three months after i joined if i could find a new playground because he was tired of cleaning up the
0: <laughs>
2: well the wars that i would initiate or you know <laughs>
0: right. um, the fallout <laughs> that would happen it happened.
2: Yeah. You know, so there's like you know. This like is called a, a spirited back. debate.
0: Yeah. 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 Forums yeah. were different back
2: then, man. They're, they're yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: we're like, like Reddit. Ellie. We're a lot, we're like yeah. Reddit. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I had things like you know you had a tagline. So one of my favorite ones was, "Once you devolve the wolf down to a chihuahua, you can't bring it back." Same thing <laughs> applies to weed. And uh, see another one was uh, prevention's a lot easier than eradication, things like <laughs> that, you know. So and uh, nice. Do
1: you frequent forums still? Is it something that no, you're still involved in? No,
2: no, no, no. But my stuff's still there. That's what cracks me up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, stuff that I posted 15 years, almost 15 years ago, is still there, and I still have people that. Uh, Will see me online, like on a Discord. Or something. Oh, you know, I was just listening to your interview with Ted from Kiss Organics. And I'm thinking, God damn, that was what almost ten years ago. Wow, mm-hmm. I mean, you're still listening to that stuff. I mean, he didn't retire it. So, why would you retire it, man? When oh, I don't know. It? I just figured. I figured that something like that, you build up. You'd have some. I don't know. I just. I didn't ever think it was going to be. Yeah, you get you that know, kind of imposter
1: syndrome feeling. Yeah. Like, why is anybody listening to this? Yeah. 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 Know yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so you're on Discord as well. You should join our server, Coot. It'd be great to have you on our high on homegrown server. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, send me
2: a, a thing. Uh, what do you call it? An invite. Yeah, well, man, that'd be awesome. That was, that's fine. Because I, uh, I think you met this gentleman named Gremlin. That's his online name. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to him several times on uh, one of the Discord channels. He's a really nice uh, gentleman. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he's interested in, in moving in. Oh, I want to say something about CORE. And correct me if I'm wrong. But at one time... There was a lot, you read a lot of things online, a forum where people were asking questions, hey, I'm growing in core, and I don't feel that my uh, buds have the right, enough smell. Mm-hmm, terpenes. Uh, or, or flavor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can explain part of that. Okay. The biggest c- contributor to that is the fact that core is absolutely, unequivocally free of sulfur. And sulfur is at the basic metabolic function of almost everything that happens on this planet. Mm -hmm. The downside is that sulfur is water soluble, so it's it's very mobile. So you has to you need to um, put some sulfur into your mix, and not a lot. And you can do that in the form of gypsum, which is calcium sulfate, in China. Mm This, that's where the Buddhists first mixed uh, calcium sulfate with soy milk, crushed soy milk, and invented tofu.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It, it's a coagulant.
0: Now, what about magnesium sulfate for that sulfate uh, compounds?
2: Oh, uh, Epsom salts, they call it in the States? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that's used. Uh, well, actually, both of those uh, elements are water-soluble because yes, uh, yes. people use it for soaking their feet and... Uh-huh and what have you uh-huh. uh, absolutely okay that will increase the terpene because what we're talking about here these terpenes are all regardless there's i don't have remember exactly but there's terpenoids and terpenes they all have carbon and hydrogen ions One of them has oxygen, the other one doesn't, and I don't remember which is which, but trust me, most botanists don't either. They get them mixed up all the time, or they just do like the cannabis, we call them terps. Mm -hmm. But all I'm trying to explain is they're very simple. They're all made out of the same thing. Mm -hmm. These these, uh, three simple elements. As a matter of fact, on the biomass, which means anything above the soil, the production of terpenes and terpenoids, I just call them terps. The terps are controlled by the meristem. So for example, if a herbivore insect lands on a leaf, the plant goes into immediate, uh, not insect repellent, but now we're doing pesticides. It also produces uh, pollinator attractors. It produces fungicides those aren't set in stone. Let's say that there's an overabundance of camphor for sake of discussion. And now we need a pesticide. The plant in 20 minutes can deconstruct an existing molecule and reconstruct it into the new terp that's required. This is a a very dynamic process ongoing.
1: So the, the plant
2: takes one thing, turns
1: it into some kind of pesticide to fight off, both. Right, for wow. example,
2: con- conifers not all some have both forms of pinene, alpha pinene and beta pinene. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: When the bark is attacked, usually it's a beetle. They bore in through the bark. The tree vascular system will take those two uh, terps, combine them together. To uh, repel that beetle, and that's a commercial product that you and I would buy at a hardware store called Turpentine.
0: Hmm. Okay. Did not know that. I know what turpentine is. I know how I know where we get it from, but I did not know that it was a combination of two. Right. Interest, very interesting.
1: So are you saying that if you used um Epsom salts or gypsum, uh, that would essentially improve the terpene production of the plants? Yes. Uh, okay. I have gypsum.
2: I'm going
1: to mm-hmm. throw some in my plants.
2: <laughs> but, I, I use it uh, in the my mushrooms. soil. Uh, liming agents is the term. I'm trying to make sure I don't say, use a term that isn't used where, where you're at. liming agent here means limestone or something, a calcium carbonate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
1: what uh, gypsum it's, uh, it's the same right. stuff, I think.
2: Look, what, what's great about, in my view, uh, what's great, I like diversity. So I add gypsum and limestone or oyster shell because that's calcium carbonate. But the gypsum is elemental calcium with uh sulfur oxide. Right. Which, again, is you can take it, do this if you have a clear glass, Put some water in it and take a, t- a small amount of uh, gypsum, put it in there, and you'll see that the sulfur uh, dissolves. And now you have gypsum, excuse me, calcium, elemental calcium at the bottom of that.
1: Okay.
2: Oh, the glass, I mean, I'm sorry. Right, and and, and right.
1: the sulfur is going to be suspended in the water.
2: Yes. Right. So anyway, what I was going to say is I add both of them together. I I mix them together, the uh, gypsum and the calcium carbonate. And so I don't know, now I got elemental calcium and I've got calcium carbonate, which is a calcium carbonate is simply a a calcium ion, a carbon ion, and then three oxygen. So
1: so nowadays, uh, sorry.
2: No, I was going to say, if any other great I'd be more than happy. Uh, I, I'm not well-versed in cocoa, but I think I can probably give you some ideas that you could do that won't interfere with what's going on in the substrate.
0: Oh, I've already, uh, I've branched out so far past traditional cocoa. Chris Trump got a hold of me and he's got me throwing JMS in the cocoa and lactobacillus and everything else. So. Uh, yeah, I'm so far past
2: traditional cocoa now.
0: I'm experimenting.
2: Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I had uh, I've been on shows with uh, Mr. Trump a couple times, mm-hmm. um, and um, I would say they were both respectful of the other's uh, approach. There's a uh, beverage that isn't widely discussed, but it's called kefir or kefir. There's about ten pronunciations, and basically, it tastes like liquid yogurt.
0: Okay.
2: Um, yogurt has maybe two, possibly three, active live uh, labs, uh, lactic acid bacteria strains. Mm-hmm. Kefir contains twenty-five.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Plus, it contains twelve or thirteen yeast, including the one that makes kombucha. And including the one that makes beer and bread, which is the same, I, they're, they're identical. Historically, that's why, at least in Western, the Western world, bakeries and breweries were always adjacent to each other. Because yeast was a prize. It was what we call yeast today. that You buy in a dry form. That didn't arrive on the scene till about 1860 by a couple of German German uh, immigrants in it that came to America, Fleshman Brothers. You've probably seen Fleshman. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's Anybody who
0: bakes breads knows Fleshman cheese. Yeah, yes.
2: Exactly. So, uh, using this barley, even as a spray, especially if it's hot, let's say you're outdoors. And plants can get burned too from the sun being too, especially with these changes going on around the world. Making a barley tea and not even malted barley, just getting barley and and soaking it and taking that and spraying it on your plants will reduce the the problems associated with the excessive heat. Remember, barley was the first uh, food that the human race uh, cultivated that moved the human race from food gatherers to food producers that allowed for yeah
1: yeah like ten thousand years ago we because we wanted to to make beer right
2: and it wasn't to get intoxicated it was that when they used barley in the water their babies didn't die Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it was safer to drink beer and wine than it was to
1: drink water yeah right Crazy. I mean, more
2: more people have died in the history of the human race from bad water than all the wars combined. Mm-hmm. It probably still is the case around the world. It's like still
1: hot, 50% of the population of the planet doesn't have access to clean water. See, That's I crazy. always know
2: that it's something that I've suggested is very effective. I listen to the criticism from this one sector, <laughs> and then I know, all right, it works so if uh, if I hear them whining or come up with some some of their specious uh excuse me, uh well, you know if you use that, you know what's gonna happen. You know what? tell me, so anyway, <laughs> same people that never show you a picture of their garden. Exactly. You know, never, mm-hmm. you know, never, ever, ever see a picture. Of their garden but they always talk about well i have a lot of people that use my uh my my, my whatever it is my my powder my my juice or whatever you know mm-hmm. so anyway on this keeper you actually buy you order it from amazon and they call them grains and i don't know why it has nothing to do with grains uh but it's a scoby like kombucha's scoby, like sourdough's scoby, a combination of bacteria and yeast, right? Mm. So you uh, drop this into milk and leave it on the counter. And the next morning, you have fermented milk. Now you strain that to get these uh, grains that you bought. So you make another batch. And each time you do that, the, the colony grows. Okay, so back to the keeper. So this Is a one eight ounce glass of kefir has more probiotics in it than an entire bottle of pills probiotic pills. Wow. Now, if you let it sit on the counter, it's going to continue to ferment and then it's going to separate. And so the curds will be on top. It'll look like uh, cottage cheese. Mm -hmm. You remove that and You can make cheese with it. You can feed it to your dog. I mean, it's not... But what's left is whey. Mm -hmm. And that whey is what I was explaining before, 25 different lactobacillus uh, strains and 12 or 13 uh, yeast. You can... So if you're following Mr. Trump and the others in that... T- technology. Mm-hmm. This is instant overnight. Right. You're not dicking around with sugar. I mean, you got milk, and if you, you can get raw milk, it's even better. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to use whole milk, you don't, and avoid ultra pasteurized. Um, mm-hmm. That means there's nothing left, no, no right. biology at all. Anyway. Are you familiar with Jeremy at Build-A-Soil?
1: Yep. Yes. He's been on the show before. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, okay, cool. So you know that he was a student of mine, and uh, he figured out how to make money, and I didn't. He now has a kefer Whey product that he's selling for $40 for a half gallon and $80 for a full gallon. I didn't even know they they had this product i did it on my own because i was drinking kefir for myself and then i let some sit out one day and i saw it separated so i did anyway long story short adding uh these uh lactobacillus strains obviously you've already done them Mm -hmm. approached it from a different way right i'm just giving you a way that um it's faster and much much cheaper because once you buy these grains they're in perpetuity hmm. you, you know you make a batch you strain it you got grains you make another batch, you know on pretty soon you got so much you're giving them away that somebody else starting to have fun with it
0: like those old cake starters huh? Exa- yeah, exactly yeah exactly
2: right exactly so you can really step up your game now that's something that would benefit cocoa or soil I don't know what, I don't want to even guess what the uh, mixing ratio would be. That's out of my wheelhouse, but if nothing else, you could spray it on the leaves.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I do both, actually, with lactobacillus. I'll do a a foliar spray as well as a a soil drench with it.
2: Okay. Um, How how much you put
0: in your water, Monkey? A thousand to one is my dilution rate. Okay. Well, there you go yeah i mean it works i mean it, it doesn't seem to be super critical to where if you miss it everything dies i mean you don't want to go too strong mm, right it, it seems to be nature's a lot more forgiving than, than salts and bottles are
2: i yeah i the, when i test something i start out using half a teaspoon mm-hmm. a tablespoon which is half an ounce to a gallon of water so mm-hmm. that would be like one to 256 am i understanding that correct
1: because there's
2: 128 ounces in a gallon, so if I'm using half an ounce, that's 256 half ounces. Right. And I'm adding one of those units worth of of uh, a material if I'm if I'm practicing on something.
0: Right. So what I'm doing typically is I'll have a. A two gallon bucket when i make when i mix a, a solution of lactobacillus up i'll use two gallons of rainwater and one ounce of the concentrated lactose okay and all right and then I'll, now, that'll sit there and i'll let that brew you know get it get itself uh, itself going warm up a little bit overnight feed it the next day spray it the next day whatever i have to do seems to work oh yeah about an
1: ounce an ounce of liquid, it doesn't work like that.
0: <laughs> 30 mils. Okay, better.
1: Okay. Yeah, that works. I understand now. It's all clear. Okay. 30 mils
0: in, in. 30 mils and uh just under eight liters. Okay.
1: Okay. Right.
0: That's Oof. the problem when we have an international show coop. You know, we have we have to do a lot of conversion here.
1: So an uh, ounce is 28 grams, right? What are you talking about?
0: liquid ounce versus a weight ounce and i know the imperial system but i wonder who we got the imperial system from Hmm, i wonder
1: is it the french <laughs> yeah
0: right yeah, the
1: french. <laughs> yeah, oh gosh yeah mate it's how would you incorporate the, the kefir yeah is that what it's called is it the uh the, the oh separating
2: separating the curds from the whey. And right. so the way is what the goal is, is this heavy concentration of just an extreme amount of uh, strains. I, I have a list mm-hmm. if you'd like me to post it. Oh, uh, no, no, and, no.
1: It's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah.
2: Oh, no, I want it's the fine. different uh, uh, strains that are in the kefir. I Um so there's your benefit. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, but uh, there. Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, having 25 different versions of lactobacillus instead of just two yeah. or three, it's going to be a big difference.
2: I actually uh, copied each one, did a copy and paste and looked each one up. And uh, that was kind of interesting. Uh, mm. What a diversity. Yeah. There's yeah. so many tales about this. It's estimated that it's probably these uh, this culture, SCOBY as it's called, uh, it's probably about 3,000 years old, wow. and it's uh, been passed from, it's probably started in the Ural Mountains, is what, uh, well, I've read about three or four, but that seems to be the one that rings the most true, but yeah, check it out, milk kefir, as opposed to water kefir,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: uh, like I say, you can buy the uh, grains online at Amazon, or several other places, for that matter. And um, if you like yogurt, this is a great way to consume milk yeah. products. With the ferment, you're really adding that whole probiotic thing mm. without spending silly-ass money on so It pills. sounds
1: good, man. I enjoy that kind of drink as
2: well, that yogurt flavor drink. Put a little bit oh. of toffee
1: flavoring in there or something. Mm, That's going be well, delicious. Here's,
2: here's how you flavor it. <laughs> All right, check this out. So you ferment it. You strain it, get your grains back so you can make another batch. Now you can add whatever you want, pureed fruit. You could add some mint leaves. You could add some herbs. You can flavor it and let it ferment another day. And now in the morning, you can pour yourself a mango uh, yogurt drink or whatever, you know, you like. Mm. Or mix it up, put strawberries and bananas, or you know,
1: nice. sounds good. What about store-bought kefir? You can use that too, I assume.
2: Not so much because you look at the label. Right. I, I shouldn't say that. I'm I'm thinking America here. Yeah. In America, you got to have at least five or six emulsifiers, thickening agents. Uh, it's you know, sugar. You can't have anything without sugar. I mean, that's in
0: America. You're right; it won't sell. America loaded with sugar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. unfortunate, Becky, but true. Yeah,
2: yeah. super super size me. Yeah. Oh Lord! See, I had uh, I dicked around with uh, diabetes and didn't take it serious, and then I got old, and I got hospitalized. And two years ago, I saw had a come to Jesus meeting with myself and uh, i cut out all sugar and manufactured food and i lost uh, 67 pounds i walk uh, 10k a day wow. every day seven days a week and kefir became a big part of that program trying to rebuild several years of uh <laughs> abuse yeah <laughs> abuse yeah uh funny we wait so long. Hey, dickhead, you're going to be dead in two years. Well, I better get on this thing, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, so. The
0: American way, yeah. man. That's
2: the way we do. Yeah. Like I'm starting to get to that age now where it's like, maybe I
1: should stop eating these fizzy cola bottles. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's, it's just a bit too much sugar. And uh, I noticed, like, when I eat something that's too sugary, after a few bites, i just be like, oh, God, no, no. I can't eat any more of that. So. It, come to that stage in my life where I think uh, I need to try and cut down on my sugar intake as well
2: You, uh, if you went to amazon.com I know they're going to have probably 15 or 20 sources for live, that's what you want, live kefir grains and again I have no idea why it earned the name grains, it doesn't even look like a grain, it looks like cottage oh. cheese
3: okay
2: um, and then you're off and running. There's nothing to learn. You don't have to heat it like you do yogurt. You just put them in the milk, set it on the counter, and the next day, uh, strain and drain. And now you got a bigger colony to make another batch. And nice. <laughs> when when you do what I'm talking about, separating the that cheese on top, the curds, that's how you make cheese. So you could pick up a recipe on how to make feta I know salt's involved, uh, but a mozzarella. Uh I don't know if they this is an American thing, cream cheese, like they put on mm. bagels. Uh um, yeah,
1: yeah, and then make cheesecake out of it.
2: Mm. There you go. So, and plus you're gonna have a fertilizer that will blow your mind the first time you use it.
1: Mm-hmm. So you can drink some and share some with your plants, right? Absolutely, <laughs> dilute
2: it, of course. You know,
1: dilute it. do will give it straight up to the plants. Yeah. You
0: know? Well, I know the what, first time for you, co- for me. first time my cocoa grow got its first dose of Lactobacillus. The next day, the plants were literally praying like I've never seen it before. Yeah, they loved it, and that was it. I mean, I was hooked. It's like okay, I'm going to do this every grow now.
1: Fuck's sake, I'm going to have to make some tomorrow now. goddamn, I'm trying to avoid <laughs> it.
0: <But laughs> well, the only, the only bad thing about it, Matthew, I'll warn you right ahead. You. you do it the first time and you see this massive improvement in your plants. But if you do it again, you don't see quite as much of a massive improvement because you've already made the improvement. You're just mm-hmm, fortifying right. the culture. Right. So the first time you're going to see a massive improvement, and from then on, you're just basically maintaining the cultures.
2: Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the key there not only does it elevate the uh, health of the plant, it stabilizes it and keeps that and maintains it. Mm-hmm. And so the gardener, we become used to seeing it look so perfect so that we apply it again. Well, I didn't see that huge bump. Well, yeah, but it's <laughs> running on eight cylinders, you know, so. Exactly.
0: You're already 100%. What do you want?
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I was the guy that invented the... uh I even came up with the name because I wanted a hook, the SSTs, man, uh, sprouted seed teas. Yes. Because what I came to understand was what happens when a seed germinates is nothing short of magical. Think about it. So a plant produces a seed. One of the properties that it incorporates on the exterior of that uh, seed is resistance to germination. And that sounds counterintuitive, but what that provides is that if moisture comes in contact, the seed doesn't automatically spring into germination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's why we, some of us anyway, uh, soak our seeds in water overnight and then before Mm -hmm. we put them in the soil. Well, what happens when that amount of liquid penetrates the seed, the enzyme starts changing in the seeds that facilitate germination. So what we're doing is kickstarting the seed by soaking it. And if we add some fulvic acid to that water, the reason is that these enzymes are cofactors. And Dr. Foss, the founder of BioAg explained it to me and said, consider folic acid the cofactor of cofactors so whatever that we're trying to elevate on that seed in terms of germination that folic acid will paci- will help facilitate that and we'll enjoy better germination rates from our expensive purchase mm-hmm. if for no other reason
3: mm-hmm.
2: so anyway back to the seed so I realized one of the healthiest foods that you can eat are sprouted seeds. In other words, sprouted broccoli seeds are far better from a nutrition standpoint than eating broccoli. And I say, thank God for that. Um, <laughs> I like broccoli now. Hey. <laughs> okay. well, yeah. uh, but if we take those seeds and Let them germinate and even grow a root, maybe half an inch or something like that, like you would mung beans, and then puree it in water with some water and dilute it down. Now you're talking, especially have a worm bin, you can put it on there, you can put it on your plants, your house plants, your can, whatever your garden plants, and it costs pennies. And here's what I learned it didn't matter if I used a bean or a grain, a rice. It didn't matter. They all were equally effective.
0: So, so if using, you got, using you know, cannabis seeds is going to be just as effective as using corn or anything <laughs> else. It's right. just more expensive, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I've got a lot of cannabis. I, I, I'm doing a lot of stuff, seed baking right now, and i got a bunch of random... I don't know what the heck the seed is, so I could make sprouted seed tea with it.
2: Absolutely. Mm. And then somebody... I met who was a friend of a friend of a friend at a social function. I was explaining this to him. He looked at me and he said, Why don't you just go buy malted barley at a brew store? And I said, They got this stuff already made? He goes, Well, yeah. I haven't sprouted a seed since that day.
0: Ah, so you just right. used the malted it barley. was
2: over. It was over, man. We're done. I got <laughs> barley. Okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Wow, man. And we'll have to try that, definitely. I've, I and I've never
1: even heard of using barley before, and it just sounds so uh, so intriguing now. It sounds like that it's a big missing factor in, in my grow, man, this, this malted barley thing.
2: Well, I have a product Jeremy sells. Uh, he, he helped design the package. I had some input on it, but anyway, uh, you'll like this. I was really high one night, and I said, you know, I need a product. So I came up with gnarly barley. And so uh that's the product. It has barley in it and some other sprouted seeds, uh lentils, I think. Um he handles that. I don't get I don't pester uh Mr. Silva. He's got too much on his hands. There's it's a nice. brewing
0: company down here called gnarly barley.
2: <laughs> interesting. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I was I overindulged one weekend and it just came to me, gnarly barley. It's, the kids are like that. You know, it's got the <laughs> hook, you know. <laughs> so I figured, uh, why not?
1: Yeah. You've figured out so much stuff and brought so much pieces of knowledge to the uh, cannabis community, Coop. You know, with your soil, with the seed the tea, this barley thing. Damn, man. It, it's just crazy, you know, it's like where would cannabis be without coot? It's crazy to think, man. Do you ever think about it like that? How much of an influence you've had on the cannabis community and the, no. especially the growers?
2: No, you know what it is in life, which uh, John Lennon had a great line, life's what happens while you're busy making other plans. Yeah, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Yeah. yeah. So Great quote, man. Yeah. I was also the one that introduced aloe vera and uh, for its salicylic uh, content. The first uh, commercial rooting agent was salicylic acid. And um, I was also the one that brought in, uh, oh yeah, this one really, I get a lot of criticism on this one, and this one I just sneer at, i mean, going screw you. Uh, neem meal in oil. I use it I all
0: use,
2: the time. It's good stuff. Yep, I put neem in all my, my food gardens, my house plants. I use neem oil. Take care of uh, pesticides or pet, not pesticides, but pest uh, spider mites, aphids.
1: Mm-hmm. So, damn, this it. is and so rosemary.
2: It's... Rosemary is my latest, my favorite now because that's easy to grow. And lavender flowers, mm. the little petals. Yeah, soak those in water for three or four days. <clears throat>
0: That'll. Bag of them right here. What do I do with that,
2: now? You take those little p- flowers and dry yeah. them out. Uh-huh. Let them They're dry. dry. Oh, good. Okay, so put a tablespoon in mm-hmm. a cup of water. All right. And let that sit for today's uh, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Saturday, uh, strain it out. Okay. Uh, do something with the petals. Uh, yeah. Anyway... Now you have a concentrate, and it's a fantastic pesticide.
0: Pesticide. What does it kill? or Does it kill, or just, does it just repel?
2: Oh, no, it kills. Okay. It so kills this is uh, a... spider mites, aphids, white flies, and thrips.
0: <laughs> nice. And it, yes. it's basically linalool, so I'm spraying something on the plant that's natural to the plant anyway.
2: Right. You can also <laughs> use rosemary. Rosemary contains... Uh, Fining. Pechum- no, it's it has evidence. Another one. Okay. Um, God damn it! Oh, camper.
0: Okay.
2: And camper plugs up the hole on the egg, which is a vent. And egg, uh, the larva has to have a vent because it has to breathe. Yeah. And when that gets plugged, they explode. So you spray it one night, <laughs> and the next morning you look at the leaves, and you see mite eggs exploded. I the first time I saw it, I cried, I wept. I was so happy. Okay, <laughs> I'll wipe these bastards out. Uh, <laughs> emperors, game what's game. uh, in uh, mothballs, yeah. But I wouldn't uh, spray mothballs on my cannabis, I would I right. would
0: spray your know, rosemary, I wouldn't have a problem. Yes,
2: with that. and you do the same thing I did there, but since they're fresh, usually you want to take them, put them on a, a wood board with a uh. A heavy-duty cleaver, and kind of just chop them up. You don't have to go crazy. Just you want the inside exposed so that when you soak it in water, you're going to get more of the juice or the goodies extracted out. So dice it
0: or dice it or mash it like I'd be cooking
2: with it. Exactly. There you go. That's perfect. So Uh, you got there's two. You got lavender and rosemary now.
0: Nice, and I have lavender growing outside. I mean, that lavender, rosemary growing outside. So I do have that. That's Perfect. Nice. Yes. I didn't know I had all of these tools right there at my disposal all the time. You know. Yeah. That's just. It becomes a lot cheaper to grow cannabis once we know we have these things.
2: Mm-hmm. Chili peppers make the best. Yeah. Find the hottest friggin' pepper. Excuse me, hottest uh, pepper yeah. you can get your hands on.
0: The C- the the Capsaicin, um, really? Yeah. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. Good against
1: a lot of stuff. The repellent yes. like crazy. Man, now I've you... learned so much from this interview already. It's just more information. Gosh. <laughs> I'm going to overload, man. You know, using uh, some kind of sulfur, lactobacillus. This is all stuff. Uh, I think I'm going to send this, this interview out to everybody tomorrow. So i can uh, just write this stuff down straight away and get involved, you know? As I'm editing, I'll
0: crawl. <laughs> I'll, work, I'll crawl down that sulfur wormhole as well as that uh, malted barley wormhole. I'm going to mm-hmm. play with that one a little bit because that one sounds interesting to me.
2: I tell you this, and I, I don't believe me. I'm not asking you. Please don't buy it. I just want you to check it out at Build a Soil. Mm-hmm. You look up gnarly barley. Yeah, and I've got 260 reviews and 260 or five star. <laughs> wow you know
0: it works so wow yeah have you considered making more products yeah definitely
1: yeah have you considered making any more products like that
2: yeah i got one that i've been working on i can't get my i can't get the consistent results that i want but uh It's it's a combination of things I've done before. Is to take dried chilies and you go to the Mexican food markets or markets that cater to the Mexican-American community here. And you bust open those dried pods and take the seeds Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and you sprout those and you make a tea out of it as a pesticide. Right. And what I'm learning is that the heat of the pepper has little, if anything, to do with the efficiency. That um, even the mildest of peppers, like what they call in America bell peppers, the green, Mm -hmm. those seeds actually performed higher than the hottest peppers I could buy commercially, which I think was Serrano. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's the hottest chili, but I'm just saying it, you, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, something I could get my hands on. But I'm moving in the right direction. So, anybody out there listening, if you want to practice and create a new pesticide, there's a start for you. Mm-hmm. Needs to be mm-hmm. it needs to be perfected. I think a, a combination of. Uh, I'm thinking that a combination of uh, rosemary with the uh, sprouted. Pepper seeds might be the real key of give you a fungicide and pesticide.
3: That'll work. Mm -hmm.
2: And by making it yourself, you could control the strength. Yeah. Of your application, I'm saying. You don't have to be dependent upon what somebody a thousand miles away thinks you should be doing with it.
0: Right, and having that rosemary oil in it, we can detonate those those uh mite eggs. Bang!
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Always big nice time. to see that. Yeah. Yeah, big mm-hmm. time. Anybody's ever had spider mites on your plants? That 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 would be a total joy watching them blow up like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Pop 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 Whoa. pop pop pop. <laughs> <laughs> Video.
2: I live in an area that uh or one of the largest horticulture districts in the United States. Two billion dollars a year in plants and when you're in that business, one of the things you have to do is bring in plants from other places you have to offer new plants to your customer base right
3: mm-hmm.
2: Well, everybody takes a ride powdery mildews there's 4 thousand in the world there's 400 west of the cascades where I live. We got 10 percent of the world's total um mites from every continent because plants have come from every continent yeah. So like I I don't want to sound like a curmudgeon, but prevention really is easier than eradication. So
3: definitely
2: mm-hmm, is. Mm-hmm. IPM doesn't mean, oh, I saw something, I gotta do something. Well you kinda gotta plan ahead, you know. Yeah. Just
0: make sure you remember yeah,
2: in the first
1: place.
0: I used to do IPM that way. Oh, I saw something, let me just kill everything. <laughs> and yeah yeah back, yeah back, back, back. that was i think everybody starts that way
2: right yeah, you yeah kill them all that god sort them out yeah
0: and lord does god sort it out you got no oh my god <laughs>
2: yeah so
0: when you upset nature and get the balance going the wrong way it's not pretty
2: right yeah so much well, I, I, uh, you. I hope so, that uh you find my advice or not advice but ideas uh helpful
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I've, yeah. I've got a couple things that I'm gonna definitely jump on uh in my next next cycle here, my next score cycle.
1: Mm-hmm. I say it's it just it's nearly been two hours, you know, of that you've been here. And the time's just flown by and we've just got so much information from you. in just this short amount of time, man? We would love to have you back sometime, Kuti, if you're free. Oh, absolutely. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Consider it done, whatever you need. Nice.
1: It's been such well, a... That'd unreal. be good.
2: That'd be good for a follow-up.
1: In mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, a hey, couple you know, of months, let your... monkey do his thing and, and we'll we'll try these get, things yeah. out.
0: Yeah, that's what, we, that's what we did with the other ones, yeah. Okay, see right. so see what kind of differences I'm going to get this time. If I'm always on that... I mean, come on, most cannabis growers, we're always on that terpene mission. If I can increase the, the, uh, the smells and the flavors, that's mm-hmm. way more important than potency for me. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Well... I can promise you this that barley and the things I've suggested will allow your plants to express their full genetic potential. Excellent. That's um, all I can ask, really. Yeah. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Right. So
0: anything beyond that, I need to change some genetics. <laughs>
1: Maybe we well, can talk about that next time. You can make seeds, kind of you know your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's been such a huge pleasure to have you on the show, Coot. I mean, so much knowledge gained in just such a short amount of time. I know you've got so much more to offer as well. And, you know, I'm going to look forward to getting you back on the show to talk about more stuff. That'd just, be great. Yeah, man, it's just crazy. I mean, it's hard to express how much of a difference you've made to the cannabis community over your years of being involved with it. Man. You know, I just want to thank you on behalf of the cannabis community for everything that you've done for all of us you know with your soil mixes and all the ideas and the support that you've given people throughout your years of growing man it's it's legendary shit and you know that world gets thrown around <laughs> quite a bit nowadays legendary, but it's definitely yeah. deserved in this case you know you are a legend in this community man and thanks for everything you've done epic
2: well thank you guys very much for your hospitality i really appreciate it and uh i hope that you find uh find it helpful well,
0: mm-hmm. Definitely, I know I'm
2: going no to helpful out of this. It's a big, big
1: honor to talk to you, sir. Mhm.
2: That's it, man. All so right, so we'll get going. we'll get
1: you back on soon. We'll let you go and enjoy your day, and we're sure you got plants to tend to and things like that. But I'll All drop right. you an email and uh, with the link to the Discord, right, so we can uh, hopefully get you on our Discord server so we can catch up more.
2: Oh, sounds great! Awesome, love it. Thanks, Thanks Chris. You, you have a Thanks great day, it. man. Appreciate it,
1: man. Thank you too, Peace. Nice. Bye. Bye. And there we go everybody that was Clackamus coot and clackamas should be joining our discord server very soon so if you are on discord make sure you come and join us on our discord server so you can speak to clackamas as well and also i updated the interview page on high on homegrown website today so if you go to highonhomegrown.com slash interviews you will see a list of all of the interviews that are available for download and it's just about 100 now i think we're on 98 interviews so there's loads of interviews there for you to go and check out download for absolutely free so go and have a look high on homegrown.com interviews check out the interviews download some and enjoy of course and as always thank you for being here thank you for downloading the show thank you for listening I hope you enjoyed this interview and i hope we can get Clackamas on the show again soon so stay high stay safe and we'll catch you on friday for the grow guides have a good week and I'll see you then Goodbye.